0: Is God real? Are the stories in the Bible true? I need answers. Welcome to A Closer Look with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to spend the next hour with us as we delve into the study of God's Word. We can't do what we don't know. Here at Shiloh, we want to spend time studying the Word so that we can rightly apply the word to our daily living and make a difference in our community and in our world for Jesus Christ. Won't you join us now for a closer look into God's word? We want to call your attention today to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses one through four. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. The last time we were with you, we were talking about tithing, and we were talking about uh, what tithes were and why tithing is so important to the life of the church. And we were speaking from Malachi, Chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. We, uh, among the many things that we said at that time, we said, I'm confident that uh, tithing represents the floor of our giving and not the ceiling of our giving. While it is true that for most of us, uh, be careful how you say that, for, for, for most in the church, tithing is an aspirational thing we're working to get there but we ain't quite got there yet amen praise the Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus we must recognize that tithing from a biblical standpoint is the floor and not the ceiling tithing is 10% okay that that's what tithe means Every now and then I'll have somebody say, well, I tithe 3%. No, you don't. There's no way for you to tithe 3%. You can give 3%, but you can't tithe because tithe represents a specific amount. 10% is the tithe. Tithe is, is just a, a, a biblical word that means 10%. If you don't like the word tithe because it sounds too biblical for you, just use 10% and then you'll know what the, what, what, what the floor is. It is 10%. We have been talking about generous giving for the last several weeks. And, and for some people, the whole idea about uh, uh, a minimal amount doesn't jibe well with, with the idea of generous giving because we think of generosity as being something that springs from the heart. Well, it does spring from the heart, but it springs from the heart with an acknowledgement that it meets the need. It meets what God expects. It meets what God wants because God is the one who sets the standard. Does that make sense to you? You ain't got to get quiet. Yeah. I know it makes sense. I'm just waiting for you to tell me that it makes sense. It, 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 It has to meet God's standard. It is a form of worship. It is a tangible form of our worship before God. And, 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 and if we are to worship God, then we must worship God in a manner that God says we should worship him. And so we spent last time together talking about the tithe. Today, we're going to move from the tithe to something called systematic proportionate giving. Okay? Will a man rob God? Yet wherein have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. That's Malachi. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 16? And we're just looking at four verses. Regarding the relief offering for poor Christians that is to be collected, you get the same instructions I gave the churches in Galatia. Every Sunday, each of you make an offering and put it in safekeeping be as generous as you can when i get there you'll have it ready and i won't have to make a special request then after i arrive i'll write letters authorizing whomever you delegate and send them off to jerusalem to deliver your gift if you think it best that i go along i'll be glad to travel With them. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm saying. Tithing is the law of giving back to God in a systematized way. We made it clear the last time we were with you that while tithing was incorporated into the law, tithing actually predates. The law. Do you remember we had you turn to Genesis? And and, and and Melchizedek came out and blessed Abram, and Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all of the plunder that he got when, when, when he went to war against the armies of the Philistines. Y'all remember all of this? Y'all, y'all seem a little slow today. <laughs> well, you do know that there was no law in Genesis. The law doesn't come until Exodus. So when, 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 when the first mention of tithing is done in Scripture, it predates the law, and it is a system of giving. 10% suggests a system of giving. So when we talk about a system here, we're only talking about building upon the system that, that was already in place in the law and before the law. But Paul says something different than what the law says, and this might be helpful to some of you. He says, be as generous as you can. What does that mean? That means that... If you have not yet reached the place where you can give 10% joyfully, happily, as the scripture says, everyone as he proposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you ain't cheerful, writing your 10% out to the Lord, and clearly many of us are not cheerful because we don't write it. If you can't do it cheerfully, Paul says, be as generous as you can. The key here is not the amount. The key is the regularity. Every Sunday, that's what it says. I'm reading from the message version. Every Sunday, each of you make an offering. When we quote this on Sunday mornings as, as the offering is being collected, we, we, we quote it from the King James Version. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. One reason why some folk are so cynical about giving is that there are a lot of crooks in the church. that's that's the most vocal you all have been since you all have been here. Y'all agree with that quick, fast, and in a hurry. One of the reasons why we are so cynical about giving is that there are a lot of crooks in the church. But skepticism regarding individuals has always been a part of the church. And it always will be. The one who is writing Paul has to defend his own personal integrity against attack that came from people not outside the church, but people within the church. Have you ever read the book of Galatians? Paul spends much of the book of Galatians just defending his own personal integrity, which had been besmirched by people within the church. So skepticism about the integrity of church leadership has always been the case, and it always will be. It does not change the fact, however, that we must recognize that our giving is not to an individual. Our giving is to God. Individuals, church leaders, Are the mere vessels through which the giving is received. But the giving is not to the individual, the giving is to God. And that requires an attitudinal adjustment within our own hearts, minds, and spirits, where we recognize that our giving is a part of our worship of God. It is not something that we give because we owe. It is something that we give in response to what we have received. So, if our giving to God is a part of our worship, then we must recognize that God has an expectation as to how that worship is to take place. And part of that expectation is that our Giving is to be systematic. It is to be regular. It should not be haphazard. Most of you in here are retired. When you worked a job, you had an expectation to be paid. Every week, every two weeks, whatever the form of payment was, you had an expectation to be paid because you had bills to pay. You had a mortgage to pay. You had a car note to pay. You had other utilities and other bills and other responsibilities. You had your children's education to pay for. You expected to be paid on a regular basis so that you in turn could meet your obligations. If you went to your employer and worked your two-week schedule, let's say you got paid every two weeks. When you worked your two weeks, when you, you got there on Friday, Before you left, you were expecting someone to put something in your hand. Now, I know these days we got electronic deposit and the money is already put in there. Just stay with me with the the metaphor. This was before electronic deposit. You were expecting someone to put something in your hand. When you went to the supervisor's office to pick up your check, if he said, well, we just decided we weren't going to pay you this week. We, 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 we had other obligations to pop up this week that, that really weren't in our budget. And so we, we just said, we, we're we going to put your check off till next week. How'd you feel about that? Would you show up to work on Monday? If you had not been paid on Friday, I hear some of y'all saying, yeah, but you, uh-uh. yeah. but some of y'all wouldn't be showing up. Amen. You had an expectation. You, 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 you built your whole budget around an expectation that you were going to be paid on a regular basis. Once, the, 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 the payments become haphazard, then the payor your boss, your supervisor your company becomes undependable right? because you, because you were depending upon them to do what they said they were going to do. Alright, translate that, it took me a long time to get through that to get to this are you undependable towards God As upset as you would be if you went to your employer's office expecting a paycheck and he said, well, I ain't got it for you this week. I'll give it to you next time I see you. And, 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 and then he makes sure that you don't see him for a long, a long time. That person becomes undependable. My question to us is, Are we undependable toward God? That's where systematic comes in. That's where regular comes in. God is not a haphazard God. You know how I know? He woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. Health in your body, sanity in your mind, clothes on your back, roof over your head, food on your table, and money in your pocket. He's not a haphazard God. Every day, God blesses you. Every day that you are here is a blessing from God. So, nobody in here would dare say God is a haphazard God. Well, let me reverse it. Can God say that we are as consistent towards him as he is toward us? I'll wait. I feel pretty good today. I I can wait. The problem is we're inconsistent when it comes to God. I know that, and I've said this more than once, I know that that, that much of our religious life, much of our church life is not built around theology. It's not built around doctrine. It's not built around Bible. It's built around culture. It's built around what, what we have been used to what we grew up in. Many of us came from situations, came from church situations. We didn't have church every Sunday. Yeah, second and fourth Sunday church. You had first and third Sunday church. You, you, you didn't go to church every Sunday. And some of us are still in the habit of going to church on certain Sundays and other Sundays, We ain't going to church. And that ain't built around Bible. And that ain't built around doctrine. And that ain't built around theology. That's built around culture. That's built around your experience. In this church, I grew up in this church, so I know what I'm talking about. In this church, third Sunday is off Sunday. Biggest crowd is first Sunday because you want your Lord's Supper. You want to make sure that if you die, you have had your Lord's <laughs> Supper before you Before you died. Traditionally, second Sunday was, was, was a Sunday that the young people's choir sang, and the inspirational choir, and you wanted to hear the young people's choir. So, so, so you came on that Sunday. Fourth Sunday was traditionally the youth Sunday, and, and everybody wanted to see their child do their part. On Sunday morning, go ahead, baby. See my baby up there. My baby did so well. I'm so proud of you. And so, so, so we would come on forth. But, but the Sunday that if we were gonna miss a Sunday, it was third Sunday. And still, in the year of our Lord 2019, third Sunday is the weakest attended Sunday in this church. Now, the whole routine has changed. Still give us up on first Sunday. But the whole routine has changed. But I tell you what I know. Third Sunday in Shiloh is the, is the most poorly attended Sunday of the month. Because many of us are just, we can't break the routine that says we don't have to go to church every Sunday. We ain't going to church every Sunday. I pull up here on Third Sunday, parking lot's half full. And I say, Lord Jesus, and heaven help if it rains on a Third Sunday. And then, 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 you, you in double bad shape. So, 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 God who is not haphazard toward us has to deal with a haphazard us who decide on our own that there's certain Sundays and we ain't coming to church. Oh, that, I, I know. I know. You say, what does that have to do with giving? Most of us are still folk who bring our money with us. Even though we have gotten... to to the technological point where you can send your money and you don't even have to be here. Most of us still bring our money with us. And so when we don't come, you get what happens next? When we don't come, we don't bring our offering And when we come on the next Sunday, we don't bring what we should have (laughs) brought the last Sunday. We don't double up. We just don't do it. Because we have built it into our culture and into our practice and into our routine that it's okay not to do that. And what I'm saying is, I'm glad God is not as haphazard with us as we are with God. The key in this passage is not how much. It's regular. It's regular. Entergy wants their money every month. Baton Rouge Water wants their money every month. Cable, because all y'all got cable of one form or another, DirecTV, Dish, AT&T, Cox, whatever you got, they want their money once a month. Internet want it every month. It's a terrible thing to go turn on your TV and, 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 and the screens all say the same thing, no matter what channel you on, Because they will shut you off. And they ain't even got to come out to your house no more to shut it off. You don't pay the bill and every channel has the same thing on. Because they want their money. Every month. Mortgage. Every month. You got your child in private school? Every month. Got your child in college? If you can't pay it all up front, they got a deferment plan. And you know what they want? They want you to pay that deferment plan on time. How is it that we can be so dutiful, so responsible towards all of those things and be haphazard toward God? The key here is not the amount. The key here is regularity. I'm going to say something that some preachers and perhaps some officers in here don't want to hear me say. It's better for you to give regularly less than 10% than to give every now and then. If you're not up to the 10% yet and, and, and don't feel like you by yourself if you ain't up to the 10%, Because according to national statistics, only 3% of folk who go to church give 10% of their income to the church. Translation, 97% of church folk don't tithe. 97% of church folk do not tithe. Think about that. It is... It would be better for you to give what you can give and what you can cheerfully give on a regular basis than to not give anything at all. Because when you fail to give, you are cutting yourself off from God's blessing. Turn back to Malachi where we were last week. This is bothering some people. That's good. Sometimes you need to be bothered. Turn back to Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering. That's how. And now you're under a curse. Do you see that? Now you are under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Then I want you to read this part me in this and see if I don't open up the window of heaven and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. So when, when, when we behave in a haphazard manner toward God with regard to our giving, We are cutting ourselves off from his blessing. And that's not Fred saying so. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. And it's not because God needs your money. It's because God wants your faithfulness. He's faithful towards you. Why can't you be faithful toward him? There are certain things that that, that God expects of his disciples. God knows who we are and what we are. Scripture says he knows that you're dust. He knows that there ain't much to you. But he says, even though there ain't much to you, there are certain things that I know you can do if you put your mind and your heart to it. And one of the things you can do if you put your mind and your heart to it is be regular and consistent in your worship of me. Now, let's go back to Sundays that you take off. Like I say, for most of this church, it's third Sunday. You got your own Sunday that you made up your mind you ain't coming to church. Challenge yourself to break out of that, to break out of that habit and say every Sunday that the Lord sins and I'm not flat on my back, I'm going to the Lord's house. I'm going to worship the Lord. I don't have to go to church to worship the Lord. No, you don't have to, but you ought to. You don't have to, but you ought to. The Word says you ought to. The Word says that we should not forsake the assembling of the saints together. The Word says that Jesus regularly went to the synagogue, as was his custom. Is it your custom? And is your custom on a consistent and regular basis? Or is your custom when the mood hits you? And if I ain't talking to you, I'm talking to somebody who's watching me, how y'all doing? (laughs) Is your custom when I get in trouble? When, 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 When pressures begin to mount? Is that your custom? But then I'll, I'll make my way to the house of the Lord. If you start coming to the house of the Lord on a regular basis, then you'll find that it's not hard to talk to the Lord and get from the Lord when trouble. Now trouble's gonna come whether you come to church or not. Children gonna act crazy. Spouses gonna act crazy. I didn't notice I didn't say male or female, I just said spouse. Spouses are gonna act crazy. Friends are gonna act crazy. Trouble is gonna come. But it's so much easier to deal with when you are saturated in the worship of God. And part of that worship is giving to meet the needs of the church. We said to you last time that giving should not be, should not be primarily surround meeting needs. It should be primarily about worship. But part of our worship is the maintenance of the Lord's house. Let me let you in on a little secret for those who don't know. Just like an energy bill comes to your house. An energy bill comes to this house. In fact, about seven of them come to this house every month. Just like a water bill comes to your house. About three water bills come to this house. Every month. Air conditioning costs. Y'all want to come in? You want to be comfortable? It costs. This sound system that I'm talking to you through, well, I ain't got to raise my voice, but so much. It costs. All these things have a financial attachment to it. And yet, these are the things that we use not to personally promote us, but to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. This, this, this Bible study is going out into the greater Baton Rouge area. 10, 11 parishes are going to see this Bible study in the next couple of weeks. That costs. WXOK, been on, been, been on the radio for 25, 30 years. Shiloh has. You think they just let us do it for free? It costs. All of these things have an attachment to it. So that when we bring our offering to the Lord's house, We are worshiping God, and through our worship of God, we are meeting the needs of the Lord's house. And then we're meeting the needs of hurting people. And that's important. Look back at the passage regarding the relief offering for poor Christians that is being collected. The relief offering that is being collected. The relief offering that is being collected. Specifically, Paul, now what Paul suggests here, what Paul says here is, is good generally. But specifically, he's talking about a love offering, a mission offering to be given to help relieve the suffering of the Christians of the church at Jerusalem. That's specific to what he is talking about. And so it it, it puts before us the understanding that when we give, we represent Christ to the world. One of the great things about Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church is that Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church has a theological perspective called holistic ministry, which means that we're not just concerned with your spiritual development. We are concerned with your spiritual development, but we're not singularly concerned with your spiritual development. We're concerned with every facet of your life. Hungry people need to be fed. They don't need to hear Jesus is bred in a starving land. And we're not going to give them... Any bread. They don't need to hear he's water in dry places. And we're not going to give them any water. It, has, it, it, it is the long established practice of this church. And I, and I say that with humble pride because I know this ain't the long established practice of every church. It ought to be, but it isn't. It is the long-established practice of this church to meet the needs of people where they are. Economic needs, social needs, family needs. Whatever the need may be, meet it. Well, here's the thing. Meeting needs in this world costs money. It's, it's hard to meet needs without money in this world. Now, 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 there is a world that all of us are going to. You ain't got to worry about no money. But I'm putting that off for as long as I can. I, I, I ain't in no particular hurry of getting to that world. While I'm in this world, I recognize that that, that to meet needs requires money. He says, regarding the relief offering for poor Christians that is being collected, you get these instructions. The church has to recognize that part of our worship of God is caring for God's creation. It is is our inherent responsibility to be the hands and the eyes and the feet and the heart of Christ in this world. And in order to do that, we have to have a shift in, the, in, in our thinking and in our spiritual lives that allows us to recognize that with the same generosity that God has given to us and that we have gladly received, we are obligated to give to meet the needs of one another. Now, pragmatically, the next thing that I should say is you better be careful about how you treat folk who are in trouble because you might be in trouble next and you're going to want folk to treat you right when you get in trouble. That's what I ought to say. Here's what I'm going to say. Regardless of whether or not you ever get in trouble, you got to help those who are in trouble. Can't turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to hurting people. It's It's our obligation. It's our responsibility. And when we fail to do that, then we fail to live up to what Christ has asked us to do. Systematic. The church needs to be able to depend upon you giving in a systematic way. Proportionate. Proportionate to what? Proportionate to how you have received. I don't do it much anymore, but every now and then I still flip through the channels of all the, the the, the religious folk that are on TV uh, and, 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 and I am still disgusted by most of what I see because most of them spend an inordinate amount of time trying to get you to go borrow money to give to their ministry. Plant your seed of faith plant your seed of sacrifice and, 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 and go in. If you have to, go borrow money in order to plant this seed. I don't see anywhere in the Bible. I don't see anywhere in the teaching of Jesus where, where, where he said go borrow money in order to give to a ministry. So so then what do we do then? You give out of what has been given to you. If you've received a dollar, give a dime to the Lord. If giving a dime seems too much to you, think about that. If given a dime, which means that you got ninety cents left over. If giving a dime seems too much to you, give a nickel. If a nickel seems too much to you, well, you got 95 cents on your side. And a nickel given to the Lord, give three cents. I ain't going no lower than three cents. (laughs) My point is this whatever you give to the Lord, you should give it from a genuine spirit of worship. And, 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 and in total honesty, I don't know your, 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 your financial responsibilities. I don't know your posture, just like you don't know mine. But I do know this, ever since I was a small child, I have been giving to the Lord. My mother, not my daddy, my mother taught me how to tithe. My allowance when I was a boy, age of seven, I went to my parents and said, I need an allowance. They said, you don't do nothing. (laughs) So what you need an allowance for? We negotiated, I was gonna do some things and they were gonna give me an allowance. And my allowance when I was seven years old was $2 a week. And of of that $2, my mama would make me take a quarter and put it in church on Sunday morning. My mama taught me at the age of seven that 20 cents of that $2 was my tithe. And the other nickel was my offering. I have been tithing ever since I was seven years old. And I ain't gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you I always wanted to tithe. I ain't gonna sit here and tell you that it was always easy to tithe. But I will honestly say I have never not tithed. And you can look at me and tell I ain't never missed a meal. I ain't never been hungry. I've had folk take food off my table and yet I was still able to eat the scraps. I've had folk try to put me out and God always opened a door. And I'm not saying that it was solely because I tithe, but I'm saying it's because I, showed in a tangible fashion that my trust was in God. Let me tell you something. You can't trust folk. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much they claim to love you. I don't care if they live in the same house with you. I don't care if they have the same blood as you. You can't trust folk but so far, how dare he say that? I didn't say it. Micah said it. Micah, prophet Micah says, be careful of even the one who lies in your embrace. He says, sons dishonor their fathers and daughters dishonor their mothers. That the enemies that one has are the members of their own household. So I've learned, not not just from, from what Scripture says, I've learned from life experience. Be careful how much trust you put in folk. But I've also learned this. Whereas I can't trust folk, I have complete confidence in God. Complete, total confidence in God. I don't always like what he does. I don't always like the way he does it. Sometimes he moves too fast. Sometimes he moves too slow. Sometimes I feel like Job. I look ahead, I look behind, I look to my left, I look to my right. I can't find him nowhere. But guess what? He has never, ever let me down. And I want him to be able to say of me, he's a lot of stuff. He's difficult. He's hard-headed. He's obstinate. I just said the same thing three ways. Difficult, hard-headed, obstinate. He wants to have his own way all the time. Four things, same thing. But you know what? He was faithful. He was faithful. With what I gave him he was faithful. With what I entrusted into his care, he was faithful. And you ought to want the same thing. Enjoy your life. Like I said earlier, most of you all are in retirement. Enjoy your life. You've worked for it. You've earned it. You ought to enjoy your life. But don't, don't get so caught up in you that you forget about God. Don't get so caught up in you that you fail to recognize that you still have the capacity for growth. You, ha- you have the capacity to be better today than you were yesterday. All this, I'm too old to change now. I've been doing it this way for the last 40 years, and I ain't about to change now. Shame on you. If you ain't about to change now. 40 years ago, y'all drove cars with a shift in it. Right? A shift and a clutch. Right? That's all right. Y'all can be quiet. I, I, I can talk. I got twelve minutes left. I can talk all twelve minutes. Y'all, y'all drove a car with a shift and a clutch. When, 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 when you wanted the window to roll down, you ain't press no button. There, there, there was a latch on the side of the car, and you had to wheel the window up. And down. You ain't have no air condition. That's why you rolled the window up and, and down. Cars had wings on the windows so that you could open the little window and keep the big window closed. Y'all, y'all, y'all remember that? Radio you didn't just press a button and it went precisely to the station that you want. You had to turn the dial and you had to constantly turn the dial. Cause as you drove, the signal would go in and out. And that's assuming that you had a radio in your car. And man, you were fancy if you had FM in your car. Most cars only had AM radio. You ain't have no power steering. You were the power steering. You had to jerk to turn the wheel left and and right. And now you drive cars that do everything for you. You talk to the car, and the car talks back. You remember when you had to have a map in the glove compartment because you didn't know where you were going? and you had to pull out the map and you had to act like you were driving and you really looking at the map and hoping that you don't hit nobody. Now, before you take off, you punch in an address. And the car says in 150 feet, turn left. (laughs) Over 40 years, A lot has changed in your life. Remember 40 years ago when you had fans in every room? I ain't talking about the decorative ceiling fans. I'm talking about fans in every room. Some of y'all had window units. Central Air was, was, was living in high cotton. And now you got air conditioning, where you can punch it up on your cell phone and set the thermometer that at 3.49 p.m., the temperature should drop to this. A lot has changed in 40 years. Remember ice trays? You had, to, you had to take an ice tray and fill it up with water and put it in the freezer and wait three hours before it got frozen and then pull it and hope that you don't cut yourself on the metal to only give you 12 cubes of ice. Heaven help you if you had six people there because you ain't have enough. And now you got refrigerators that make ice all day long. God has changed in 40 years. Remember black and white TV sets? And in Baton Rouge, when I was a boy, you ain't had but two channels. Channel nine and channel two. Man, when 33 came along, that was a big day. Now you got 500 channels with nothing on any of them that you pay money for Every month, you ain't gotta worry about two TVs no more. You got flat screen, plasma screen, LED screen TVs, 85 inches long, man, Super Bowl can't come fast enough. HD 4K, a lot has changed in 40 years and i don't see nobody in here saying i want to go back to where we ain't have none of that this stuff is nice but i really don't need all this i don't want that. what's my point my point is don't sit up here and tell me you uh, you you haven't changed or that you can't change everything around you has changed everything around you has changed the clothes you wear, the cars you drive, the accoutrement you wear on your body. Some of y'all got fit bits on your wrist that tell you your heart rate, and your, it ain't even got to puncture you. They, it, it knows your blood pressure. It knows how much your blood sugar is. Got all of that stuff. But you're going to sit up here and act like you can't change. And if none of that makes any sense to you, let this sink in. You ain't as, old, you ain't as young as you used to be. Forty years is a long time. Forty years is a long time. I'm 57 years old. When I was born, John Kennedy was president of the United States. We've gone from John Kennedy to Lyndon Johnson to Richard Nixon to Gerald Ford to Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan to George W. Bush to Bill Clinton to George H.W. Bush. To Barack Obama, to Donald Trump. A lot has changed. In, 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 in my little short life, a lot has changed. Go sit up here and talk about you can't change. You can't get no better. If you can't change, then shame on you. If you can't recognize that what you've been doing hasn't maximized who you are and who God has made you to be, then shame on you. If you can take all that God has blessed you to enjoy and not return in worship to him in a tangible expression with your gift, if you can't trust God with a portion of what he gave to you, because by the way, everything you got comes from him. You're going to sit there and say, I can't change. I'm too old to change now. Sister Xavier Jones, 90 years old. Ms. Xavier will call me sometimes and she'll tell me what she was reading off the internet. 90 years old, she reads off the internet. She's got a Facebook account, and y'all come talking about you can't change. Really? Is it that you can't, or you don't want to?
1: There's always a prayer aspect, because uh, anytime you do something for the Lord, uh, you always want to seek His guidance. Uh, after, uh, after praying though, it's, it's a combination of things, because uh, one, you want to, to try to unify your audience. Uh, you want to unify them in a way that doesn't offend anybody but at the same time you want to be able to offer like a fresh experience uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of the the, the people that uh, we're ministering to goes into that, that factor uh, like for instance on first Sunday uh, it's a mass choir Sunday at least at, at the 11 a.m. service so I'm primarily focused more on the older generation uh, and we're, we're more inclined to do uh, material that, that, that's dear to their hearts. Uh, you hear a lot, of, a lot more hymns on first Sunday uh, as opposed to maybe like the second Sunday. Second Sunday is, is ge- uh, geared more towards our youth, our young adult uh, and our children. So there'll be a, uh, the music will change a little bit. It'll be a little more contemporary, a little bit more progressive but at the same time uh, not to alienate uh, anyone. We'll still come back and we'll have at least one hymn uh, to kinda get everybody uh, involved. and. I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's that healthy mixture that kind of sets even this church apart from uh, from other churches, uh, other services, even even other denominations. Uh, we're not afraid to, uh, to do contemporary music and in the same tone do a, a spiritual or a, a good old hymn, something like Amazing Grace or How, How Great Thou Art, uh, and I think that all goes into our preparation process, the fact that we're just not afraid, we, we'll try anything. <laughs>